Good morning. It's, uh, of course, it's a blessing to be here. Um, you know, there's the whole church, world, the worldwide, of course, are our family, our real family. But we've developed relationships with uh, particular pl places over the years that, uh, well, it just feels like family. And I just got to tell you that uh, you guys are one of those group of people that we really consider close to us. And just, we want to thank you. Thank you for all your prayers and support. Uh, you've supported me in the, in, uh, in the work since, the very be since I started and been a great help to me. Uh, and we appreciate that dearly. Um, Appreciate the opportunity to come over and uh, worship with y'all this morning. Uh, the singing has been beautiful. Appreciate the prayers and the reading by John, a very apt reading uh, about the subject matter this morning. And I appreciate your uh, endeavor to study on, on elders. Uh, I got a couple of things I want to say about that before we get started. Um, and this may alarm you. I hope it does. Um, over the past 20 years or so, there have been 40 congregations of the Lord's Church that have closed their doors and no longer exist. Uh, and I think a lot of people think that most of these places are, are little towns that have dried up and no longer have a population. They no longer have a no longer have a source of employment there to keep people there. And, and while that is the case in a, a very few of these, uh, there are congregations that have closed their doors in cities of 30, 40, 50,000 people. Uh, there are people there that need the Lord, yet the doors have closed. And what's so alarming about that is... Those congregations that, cl that closed have one thing in common. One thing in common. They, none of them had elders. Now, there were a few that had elders but lost them. And when they closed their doors, they no longer had elders. This is a common theme on how churches die, how congregations die. And because of that, you've got a population that's deprived of hearing the, the word of the Lord. You, you have a population of, uh, uh, that may have believers there, members of the church, but they don't have a place to go to worship. So they're forced to worship in their homes with their little family groups or, or travel distances to get to church. So it's, it's a vital, vital subject that, that we've chosen this morning to speak about. Uh, and of those churches that have closed, uh, what a great impact it would be if, if, there were, if there were congregations there with elders for those communities. Uh, as of today, we're sitting at about one in three. A third of our existing congregations of the Lord's church are fully equipped. They are not lacking. They have elders. One in three. And uh, folks... Uh, that's just not good enough. 
That, that, that is not good enough. So we want to study about that this morning for a while. I think that maybe the, the best way to kind of look at these subjects is to consider what a thing is not. Because a lot of things we have misconstrued ideas about what things are. So let's talk about that for a minute. An elder is not a politician or a self-promoter. And you can talk to Ian. He's, I've been blessed to work with him on some of these uh, leadership works, and uh, it's been a true blessing. But he will tell you that uh, occasionally you have guys that stand up and say, I'm the man. I'm the man to do that job. And you will see some campaigning and politicking. And I tell you, uh, that is like a red flag right off the bat that screams pride. And, and that's not what an elder is. There in Philippians 2 and 3, the scripture reads, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem the other better than themselves. You see, elders are humble people. And why is that? Because pride will not stand in the face of God. God doesn't want men full of pride to lead his church. Another thing that uh, elders are not are chief men or bullies of the business meeting. I, I tell you, <laughs> this is a common idea in the world and even in some places in the church. This is, this is what the practice is. Uh, I, I, there's, there's a couple of guys that, that worked with me a little bit here from this congregation in Pampa with a work in Oklahoma. Uh, we were asked to go in. Uh, there was a couple of tragic things that happened at a, a big church. I think they were running close to 300 people at one time. They had two tragic events. Uh, the elders resigned. They went from close to 300 down to about 40. Well, guess what happened? They couldn't afford to pay their preacher. They couldn't afford to pay, pay their youth, uh, whatever, youth director or whatever, the guy that led all the songs. So what happened? Well, those men were, were left, left there. They didn't know how to teach because they had been spoon-fed for so many years. They asked us to come help with teacher training. Went up there, worked with them for a year and a half or so, got a few congregations to agree to start sending their local speakers to help them get on their feet. One condition, one condition. You suspend your uh, Sunday school class. They had one. Suspend that for one year so we can send our guys to help you and they can bring their families and that type of thing. Well, guess what happened? It went to the business meeting because there were no elders and guess what happened there? It was voted down by one vote. Because one man stood up and said, this sounds all great what these guys are doing for us. But if we let them come in here and work and hold gospel meetings, what happens if they get all these people to come in and then they vote us out of the building? We don't care about their building. But I'm just telling you, one guy, one bully, that was, did not have the authority of God behind him, ruined that. That is not what an elder is. Another thing an elder is not is a coward. Elders are not cowards. 
The elders will not sit by in a, in, a, in a gathering, in the assembly, and let the Word of God be teached improperly. That's one of their oversight duties. They're going to stand up for the Word of God. They're going to stand up to defend their congregation. An elder is not a coward. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong, be brave. Be brave. Another thing an elder is not, and you see this practiced a bunch in the denominational world, is a king or head of the church. An elder is not a king. There's only one king. Colossians 1 and 15, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus Christ is the head. He's the king, the only king. So we see, an elder is not a politician. He is not a chief man. He's not a bully. He's not a coward, and he is not the head of the church. We know what an elder is not. So I don't know what your ideas of elders are. I know that my idea of, of elders for many, many years was very naive. I thought an elder was the guy that determined what time we meet to worship the Lord. He was the guy that called uh, visiting preachers to come visit, and he was the guy that handed him some fuel money or travel money when he left. You know, this, this is what elders, this is my idea of an elder. And my idea of an elder was, well, it's probably the most respected and popular guy. You know, I thought my grandpa Red was an elder. I thought Joe Dukes was an elder. They were never elders, <laughs> but that was my idea of what an elder was. It, was. it was wrong. It was wrong. So in the Bible, there is an office, a job, a position that's announced. And that position is elder. Now in the scripture, we're not going to go through a long Greek lesson this morning. Uh, and, and those are good to do. But today we're just going to kind of try to get this material all in in a timely manner. Elders will be referred to as shepherds, overseers, bishop, or a pastor. Now, I doubt that Monty or Nathan would be comfortable with you calling them a bishop. I don't know. <laughs> you have to ask them. But, but technically, that's, that's one, of their, one of their roles and one of their titles that they're called. So, <clears throat> you know, the early beliefs that I had and possibly you have uh, are not were not correct. So after regular study, this is this is what I found. Elders existed very quickly after Christ founded the church. There in Acts chapter eleven and twenty seven, uh, there in the early church, and in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. 
Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which, were dwelt, which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it, by, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. We know that there were elders in the early church. So did all the churches have elders, or was it just the special ones? <clears throat> the scripture tells us that elders are served in, in all the early fully established congregations. Fully established. There in Titus 1 and 4, to Titus, and this is Paul writing to Titus, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that were wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So, evidently, people that, congregations that didn't have elders were wanting. They were lacking. They were not fully operational congregations of the Lord. And there again, in 1 Peter 1 and 1, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, these are Roman provinces that covered the modern-day modern area of Turkey, which is a little bit larger than Texas. And within each of these provinces, there were multiple churches. We don't know how many, but I, I, would, I would hazard to guess that there was a bunch talking about a land a, a mass area bigger than Texas. And it says, uh, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now I want you to notice what he goes on to say later in this letter. <clears throat> there in chapter 5 and 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. They were ordaining elders in all these congregations because they wanted all those congregations to be fully functional, able to arm the saints, able to equip the saints. So, <clears throat> you know, for a long time I thought, man, you know, this elder and deacon work, it's not for me as an evangelist. That's not my specialty. I don't have the authority to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm not good at it. And uh, I was talking to Monty about this a little earlier, and I don't, I don't remember if Monty and Ian were at this particular study. We used to have a study in Amarillo once a month called the West Texas Powwow. And we'd meet over there and we'd have a study, and, uh, uh, which, by the way, we're working on getting that started again. Lord willing, soon. Um, this study, Brother Craig Kill put together, we all sat down, and, and he made the statement uh, that what if it was decided that we would no longer observe the Lord's Supper every Sunday morning? We're going to go to once a month or once a year, whatever. What would happen? He asked us that question, what would, what would happen? Well, the answer is we'd draw our sword. We'd draw our sword and we'd fight for that. And then he asked the question, what if we started uh, preaching like many places preach these days, that baptism is not essential for obeying the gospel? 
coming in contact with the blood of Christ. Well, you got it. You'd grab the Bible and you'd fight for that, would you not? You'd fight for it. But then he went on to say, Brothers, the command to have elders in every congregation is a command. It's a command. So do we get to choose, pick and choose which commands we follow and don't follow? I'm going to tell you, I left that study film about that tall. About that tall. And I, I, I tell you, I said, I got, I got to get to work. If I'm not equipped to do this type of work, I need to equip myself. Elders. So the office of an elder is ordained by God. It gives a power and it gives authority. Ephesians 4 and 8, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captive captain and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Talking about Jesus Christ. He that descended is the same also that descended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Elders are ordained by God. God-given power and authority. The power doesn't come from the man. The power comes from God. The office is good. There in James chapter 1 and 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The office is good. You know, a lot of places, I've, I've heard this said many times, you go in and talk to people about getting to work, getting to work and installing elders, training people to be elders. And they're just, they, they're averse to it. They're opposed to it. And a common saying is, is if it ain't broke, fix it. If it ain't broke, why fix it? Well, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know it's not broke? Because Scripture suggests, suggest, it doesn't suggest, it says... The churches without elders are lacking. Let's talk about the work of an elder for a little while this morning. And I, I want to, to, before we get started on this, we're going to talk about a few difficult things that have gone on within the church. I assure you, these are all congregations that we have intimate knowledge of. Our, our family, our family, the work of an elder this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. Now I want to point this out real quick. A man that desires the office, he desires the work. He desires the work of the church. He's not looking for a badge of honor to wear on his shirt or on his sleeve. He desires the work of the church, not the honorific not to be praised of men, but he desires to be a servant in the church. He desires the work. The work of an elder is honorable. 1 Timothy 5 and 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. This specific scripture has a connotation of monetary, monetary compensation. And I'll tell you, it would be a great thing if we had the finances and the, and the will to, to pay an elder or two so they could quit their jobs and devote their lives and their every waking hour to the church, that would be a very valuable thing. 
The work of an elder is honorable. Elders take oversight. There in 1 Peter 5 and 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who I am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Elders have oversight. That's, that's part of their job within the church. You know, uh, we as Americans, we got a problem with being over, with, with being, uh, you know, people ruling over us. I, I remember when I was in school, man, those teachers, boy, they were pretty hard on those kings and queens in England. We're independent. We want our way, our freedom. Well, in the church, elders have the oversight. They have the oversight. It's part of their duty. Elders rule. 1 Timothy 5 and 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. They rule over us. And we're going to say a little bit more about that in a minute because within the church there's a lot of pushback there is pushback against elders and their authority because of this specific misunderstanding of what this rule is. Elders are over us. Hebrews, th Hebrews 13 and 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Elders are over us. They lead us. We're to follow their faith. These are men that have shown by the way they live their lives. You can see Christ in them. It's evident. They are servants to the church. Hebrews 13 and 7, I, I want us to really consider this scripture right here. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Submit yourselves. Do you know most people think that the elders of the church are like kings? or earthly warlords or something, that take their authority, that take their rule like an earthly king, and subject their people? That's not what elders of the church are. Elders, we submit to the elders. The sheep, the congregation submit willingly. The elders don't force their sheep to submit. We as a congregation submit to them because we trust them. We trust them. Uh, a few years ago, this movement within the church, uh, whatever you want to call it, liberal, or I, I guess that's the best word, I don't know. Uh, and I don't want to put any political con connotations to that. I'm just looking at the church, what the church teaches a few years ago, this movement really took up steam within the church of uh, starting to bring bands in, uh, you know, and uh, instruments. And uh, the movement is also accompanied by uh, women getting up and reading scripture, leading songs, and even preaching sermons. Uh, went as far as to uh, start to install women as deacons and elders i'm talking about within the lord's church okay now 
I want you to understand, we all understand that women are a vital part of the church. They make up over half, half of the church in membership. And they have a vital role to teach outside the assembly. They have a vital role in the church. But the things that these folks have decided are okay are in direct violation of Scripture. And in Rio Dosa, a few years ago, well, they, they just ran over the elders, <laughs> ran them over. Had some people with some money, undermined the authority of the elders, and well, guess what? The elders left, and they formed another congregation about 10 miles away. And that congregation, in Rio, the one that used to be the Church of Christ in Rio Dosa now, no longer bears the name of Christ's church. And they're involved in all kinds of things. They're involved in entertainment. They're involved in entertainment. That church no longer had elders. And guess what? It's dead. It's dead. Elders have the rule. Salute all them that have the rule over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. We have an obligation as members of the church to submit to the elders. You know, I can't tell you how valuable being uh, under the authority of elders has been for me. I'm under the authority of the elders that ordained me in Wheeler. I'm under the authority of the elders in Amarillo because that's where we go when we're home. And today, I'm under the authority of the elders that are over this congregation. And it's a very valuable thing to be held accountable a very valuable thing. Elders lead. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. What happens when you have a congregation and there's nobody to follow? There's no exemplary, godly ordained and empowered man whose faith to follow. Well, I'm going to tell you what I've seen. What I see is some devout people that are floundering, just kind of drifting in the water. There's no direction. Congregationally, there's no direction. And like I said, the, the, you know, those congregations are lacking. So a couple of years ago, well, I guess it's been about three years ago now, I was invited to come do a work in Denison. And went in there, had a great I mean, it was, man, it was great. It was great. Very edifying to me. Well, between services after the meal on the Sunday there, they were going to have a business meeting to make some decisions. And they asked me to come in. So I went in and sat in on their business meeting. And uh, before, right there at the beginning, they asked me if I had anything to say. And I said, well, me and my wife are in the area. We'll probably be here for a few years. We'd like to work with y'all. Any opportunity we, that, that you give us or that we can help. And they went on with their business meeting. And you know what it was about? It was about closing the doors. That's what it was about. And you talk about being flabbergasted. You talk about get, getting punched in the gut. So they asked me what I thought about it. And I said, how many, how many men do you have that teach here? Four. I got four men that teach. 
How many young families do you have here? Got two, three sometimes. Wow. Look like we had about 45 people here this morning. Now, granted, you know, five or ten of them were visitors. I said, I, boys, y'all got a lot to fight for here. I don't agree with this at all. I'm going to tell you something. That decision was made before they ever went in that meeting. They had already decided to close the doors. And this is one of these places, uh, these congregations that exist in a place of, I don't know how big Denison is, 25,000? I don't know. No longer has a congregation. And why is that? Why is that? There are no elders. There's no elders there to lead whose faith follow. Elders watch. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Do you want somebody watching out for your soul? Maybe a better question is, do you want somebody watching out for your kids' souls? Or your grandkids? I'm going to tell you something. I want somebody watching out over my kids' souls and my grandkids. And I sure, sure, without a doubt, need somebody watching after my soul. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Did you catch that part about giving account? These are men who are willing to give account for you. That's something we need. Was invited to a conference in Wichita Falls. One of the guys there was talking about in a, a larger congregation, from a larger congregation, was talking about uh, that they were losing 75 to 80 percent of their young people. They go off to college, they're gone. Don't ever see them come back to the building. That, uh, that's very alarming, very alarming. Now, I don't I do not believe from what I've seen that our numbers are anywhere close to that, but I'm telling you, any number is unacceptable. 10% is unacceptable. 1% is unacceptable. We need elders to watch over our kids, watch over the congregation, watch over the flock. Elders, feed the flock. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Elders have a responsibility to feed us, to feed the flock. What does that mean? That means arming us with the armor of God, turning the saints into warriors of the cross, not people that come and, and, and warm up seats on Sunday morning only. That's a good thing to do, no doubt. It's vital. But elders are to feed the church, to make us soldiers of the cross, men, women, and children. We do a lot of work up in Washington State. It's been going on for a lot of years now. And I'm going to tell you what happened just a couple of years ago. <clears throat> was a, another congregation in Yelm where we visit are there most of the time when we're in Washington State. Do you know the last time we went up there, that congregation had closed its doors? 
Do you know why they closed their doors? Because their chief man, they didn't have elders, their chief man got up on a Sunday morning and preached to the congregation that the Lord Jesus Christ had already come back. And there was no reason for us to carry on. We were waiting on another plan of salvation to be offered. Now you talk about garbage. You talk about devilry. They no longer meet. They no longer meet. Now, yeah, we, we gained one family out of that to come over and worship with us, but the rest of them are gone. Why? No elders. There was no elder to watch. There was no elder to stop that filth from coming out of that guy's mouth in front of the flock. Another congregation just a short, short distance from there that we always go and invite uh, at, they, have, they have a preacher, uh, a full-time preacher, but we go and invite them and, and ask them, will you invite your people to come to our meeting? You know, <clears throat> that's one of them congregations that's gone from, you know, 150, 175 people to how many you think they got now? About 20. Got a huge building, huge, nice building, about 20 people. They're this close to closing, closing their doors. You know why? Get online and listen to some of the stuff on their old sermons. They were preaching, good job, Jimmy. Everything's okay. Just keep on doing what you're doing. There was no rebuke. There was no admonishment. They, the folks were not being fed. Do you know how they have church on Sunday? The only time they have, have uh, church services now is on Sunday morning. You know what their service is, their teaching? They roll in a big 70-inch TV right in front of the Lord's table, and they put on DVDs. No elders. No elders. Elders protect. Elders protect. And this, this goes back to what we said before. Elders are not cowards. Elders protect. Acts 20 and 17, and from Altus. He sent, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over, wh over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter among you, not sparing the flock. There are wolves. There are wolves. Some of them come from outside, and some of them come from right inside here. It's not unique to one congregation. The elders experience this all over the church. You've experienced it here. Wolves will arise. Elders are there to protect. You ever looked at a crook that a shepherd uses? It's got a hook on one end. That hook is used to grab those sheep around the neck and kind of direct them. You know the, under the other end of that staff? It's what it is, a staff. And you know what shepherds did with that staff? They drove away wolves. <clears throat> so we've got a congregation in Farmington, New Mexico. There was a fellow there that came in from the outside. He, he was one of those guys that was very, very outspoken. Uh, he became a member of the church. Uh, short story, long story short, the guy started open carrying 
two pistols on his side, and I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. That, that's under the elder's purview, okay? But he was one of them guys that was very intimidating, and some people felt uncomfortable. And then this guy was undermining the elders. He was politicking behind the scenes. He was pulling some of these people that didn't come to church all the time, but he was amassing a following. Well, guess what? The elders were there, and they checked him. And he ratcheted his, his, his activity up, started threatening church members. Yeah. Pacing back there in the back of the, of the sanctuary during, during services with, with pistols on him. Okay? I'm going to tell you how long that went on, about that long. Because there were elders there, brave, godly men, that stood up and put an end to it. Guess what? There's still a church in Farmington. We had a congregation not too awfully far from here that this same type of thing arose. A man full of pride, wearing the goggles of pride, pulled a pistol on another brother out in front of the churchyard after church services, got in a fist fight with another brother out in the churchyard. Ian... Sean Zebach and myself went up there to try to help with this. Visit the congregation, corner this guy, rebuking, admonishing, run church discipline if that's what had to, had to happen. I'm going to tell you what, us three evangelists, we can't stay there 24-7, 365. There were no elders there to put a stop to that. So what happened a few months later? Same type stuff. Guess what? We no longer have a congregation there. The Lord no longer. That, that's gone. And that, I'm going to tell you what, that makes me sad. Because I know those people. Many of you know those people. Can we see the vital importance of having elders? So, as we get close to wrapping this up, Scripture shows us and i want to hit on this one time before we wrap it up you know there's an attitude and i've heard it preached i've heard it preached before that the elders authority over the church ends when we say amen dis dismissing in a dis dismissal prayer or the elders authority ends when we leave this building i'm going to ask you something do you stop being a child of god do you stop being a member of the church when we walk out them doors? No, you don't. The church is not this building. This is a place we meet. The church is you. It's all of you. And the church does not stop being under the, the, the authority of elders just because we walk out them doors. I want an elder. I want elders in my family's lives. I want elders in my home. I want elders in my son's home. We need them. The office and the work of an elder does not stop when the assembly is over. They are our shepherds. And I'm going to tell you something else. We, our, our, our country, our country is Christ's country. It's far above the physical realm we live on. So all those freedoms and attitudes of I can do whatever I want and independence, that don't apply to us in total when it comes to the church. 
We're under the authority of the elders. Elders hold an honorable and God-ordained office. There is power, God-given power and authority when a man is ordained in the office of elder. It doesn't come from the man, it comes from the Lord. Elders do a vitally important work, vitally important. The last thing I'll say about elders this morning is you men that are sitting out there, you know, there, there are a couple of qualifications which we didn't go into this morning, and I'm sure that'll be followed up on. There are a couple of those qualifications that have to be met that some men don't meet just because of the way they've lived their lives as far as uh, nothing bad, but they're not married. They don't have children because we want elders that have shown they can rule their house well because those are the, those are the men we're going to trust to put in authority in the church. Okay? But there are other qualifications that every man here could strive to meet. And we need you. And if you're sitting out there and you're thinking that, man, I've done this and I've done that and my life has not been what it should be and I'm not worthy to be an elder, I want you to consider the Apostle Peter. I want you to think about that. How worthy do you think he was? He was a striker. He was a violent man. He was argumentative. He denied Christ three times in the presence of Christ and took an oath to God that he didn't know our Lord and Savior. Now we all know what happened to Peter. Peter went to the Lord to get cured of his problems and to get forgiveness for the things he had done. And the Lord changed him. And I'm going to tell you, why. I don't know if, if, if Peter was the first elder, but he was one of the first. That man that was a striker and a denier of Christ and a violent man, he was an elder in the church. So if you think that you're unworthy, let's get to work. Let's get to work. Because those qualifications are not meant to disqualify people. They're meant to help people qualify and we're not looking for perfect men, are we, Monty, Nathan? Ain't none of us going to be perfect till the Lord comes back or we die and go to Abraham's bosom. We're looking for men that possess those qualities that can lead, oversee us, protect us, feed us. So I encourage you in that endeavor. And you women, help your husbands. Help your husbands. You are vital. You are a vital part of producing elders you mothers of young young men and young boys teach them teach them equip them to grow up to be these type of men now this morning as we close we have not spoken about the first principles but if you believe that jesus christ is the son of god went to the cross and died for you and you want to come in contact with his blood and baptism, we'd be, we'd be overjoyed to help you. The Lord will do all the work. He's the one that will cut away the sin. If you're here this morning and something is standing between you and God, and you would want have that removed, if you want prayers of the church, I'm going to tell you, you've got a room full of brothers and sisters that would be honored and overjoyed to pray for you. That's what we're here for.
to support one another, to edify one another. So if there's a need in any way, please come forward as we stand and sing and have a seat on the front row.